Hey, everybody, welcome back to the First Issue Club, the weekly podcast where we cover comic books that come out. But what comic books, you ask? Just the number ones, because that is the entry point that is the most important to us. That is the entry point where most new readers can hop on, enter the story, kind of see what these comic books are all about. My name is Greg. With me, as always, is Mike D. Hi. And that's it. It's a twofer. You and I today. Just the two of us. Talking comics in the stew. Just Just the two two of us. us. Thanks for being here, buddy. Mike and Greg. We I don't want to sing anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's us. Um, we if you hear some fun atmospheric noises this episode, we're recording with the windows open, baby. In Kansas City, it is a mild seventy-eight degrees. Mm-mm-mm. The wind is blowing mildly, mild, mild, mild. It's a mild day, mild temperature. But these books we're covering are hot, hot, hot. Ooh, heat. We need special gloves to hold these hot, hot books, Mike. <laughs> But before, Not just the normal white gloves that we wear. No, no, no. So there's no fingerprints. So if we ever want to resell them, we can uh, get the most bang for our buck here. He's God. But before we get into the comic book stuff, uh, we ran across a pretty interesting article about Instagram sellers yes. making buku bucks right. during COVID selling comic books. When you think about it, too, social media is a great place to sell things that are buzzworthy in the very moment. True. Because people are talking about them on social media. True. And then the next post you scroll to is like, hey, I've actually got the first appearance of this character. Eight bucks? Sweet. Yeah, I'll take it. Totally. Um, so I've done auctions on Facebook. You've held auctions? No, I've participated, I've participated in, in okay. auctions on Facebook. And that seemed kind of easier than I thought. Yeah. Instagram... You you said you've seen this before. I have. It seems impossible to do on Instagram. <laughs> How is it successful on Instagram? To be a successful seller, you have to be like a genuine member of the community, right? Sure. You've got to get a good following of people who know that you're not just some random person. You're posting stuff all the time. And comic book fans, we, we're known for sniffing out bullshit. Yeah, totally. We know when you're trying to sell maybe a hot issue for more than it's worth because you heard through the grapevine it's more expensive. Right. So I, I agree with you on that. A reputation is key for this. Totally. But kind of seems like if you're the first person to comment sold, that's kind of like right. the thing for most of them. <laughs> Otherwise, in these auction-style things, you see the previous high bid and you say, okay, I'm offering... $320. Normal auction stuff. Is this interesting to anybody? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into a deep dive of what an auction is. Yeah, so right. now when you have something you want to sell. Yep. No. People bid more. <laughs> Capitalism finds a way. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> and Certainly. In moments of tragedy, such as a pandemic, such as, as COVID spreading throughout the world, uh, there were still ways to buy comics. Of course. And there always will be. <laughs> and it's weird. It's just weird seeing it on Instagram. Where yeah. it's 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 a it's a photo dump app. Yes, it's content and sales. Yeah, which are we headed down a very scary road for Instagram? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Is yeah. this is this the death spiral of Instagram? I mean, now? it's almost all ads now. Yeah. How how often are you on Instagram? I check it every day. Check it every day. Yeah. More uh, and more, 
I'm just going through stories. Stories are hot. That's where the hotness. So is. I'm not even really using it for like the normal feed stuff anymore because it's, it is so much just like ads. And right. especially, this is my thing too. If you follow a lot of comic book people, it's like, oh, here's my key issue. And it's like, yep, I know what that cover looks like. And now I know comic fan 358 owns it. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't get a lot from scrolling through and looking at people's pictures of their comic books. I don't either. But that's a lot of comic book Instagram. Unless it's like something like you're showing off your giant collection or like mm. some cool like shit or whatever. Like I don't want to see your individual comics that you have. Right. Keep that shit off of my yeah. Instagram. Mm-hmm. I want to see thirst traps and I want to see <laughs> puppy dogs. That's really all I want to see on Instagram. One of the fun things they do with posting individual covers you have, though, is say someone will like hashtag challenge you. Do not step to me with that Instagram challenge. <laughs> I will never bring this <laughs> this fire your way. Um, but people will get like really specific things, like comic book twins, and you'll have to like find. Uh, cover of something that involves twins and like post it oh my god it's like god knows you've got like thousands of comics on standby right that like maybe something pops into your head that you're just like okay i do have something i guess that's good to like make you go back in your collection totally and look through stuff yeah because once i bag and board my shit right it's done Mm -hmm. i never want to see it again yeah i see weak trending ones where people are like it's Spider-Man Saturday Challenge, and it's like, yeah, anybody can find a fucking Spider-Man issue. Any fucking casual cool. can find a Spider-Man at the yeah. grocery store. Uh-huh. He's an easy twin one, though, because it's clone. Oh. <laughs> you think they'll ever introduce the, the clone in the movies? No. You think that's too convoluted? Um, maybe in some sort of, like, Spider-Verse thing. Oh, that's a good call. But I don't think they would in MCU stuff. I, that would have to, like, build up for... Five years? <laughs> yeah, across so many movies for that to make sense, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did uh, Ben Riley look like Peter Parker? Is yeah. that what the crux was? Like, he's a straight-up clone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be hard to do. Mm-hmm. And kind of expensive. <laughs> Unless Tom Holland has a twin that we don't know right, about. Yeah. And he's just getting super jacked uh-huh. and very good at He's just, like, the gymnastics. only guy in the entire movie playing himself twice. <laughs> Does it? Do you get paid twice if you do like a clone thing? Like, I don't know. Do you think um, the girl from Orphan Black made like a million dollars <laughs> an episode? <laughs> I was thinking of Michael Keaton in Multiplicity. Like, oh, how much God. money did he? Like, yeah. I think we could put in another clone. Uh-huh. I mean, we're good. I can yeah. cash these checks. Right. Um, but yeah, to for them to do like a jackal storyline and then have it like pay off a movie or two later with a clone, no. Yeah. No way. I think you're right. I think. If we were, if we're ever gonna see it, it's gonna be Spider Verse, yeah, animated, yeah. So, you heard it here first, folks. First issue club exclusive. There will not be a clone saga in the MCU. You can take that to the bank. They can barely do a symbiote saga, saga, right? Oh my god! It, first of all, the MCU will try to do it, and they will. They have to do it better than Spider Man Three. Yeah, I know everyone at who the hell is this for is gonna yell at me, but Spider Man Three is not great. No, it isn't. That needs to happen over the course of three movies. Yeah, it can't be one. Right. Unless they introduce it in like one of the Avengers movies. Like they do like a Secret Wars. Right. And then they can build off of that. But yeah. I think they missed their opportunity. I don't even care. Like, here's my situation. Even if it's not canonical with the comics at all, I I could care less. Let's say 
Spider-Man is flying through Oscorp, fighting a bad guy, and accidentally gets thrown into a secret lab that has some goop in it. Yeah, that'd be the easiest way to do it. Fine. Yeah. But have that be like the one thing that happens at the end of the movie, and you're like, <gasps> I know what that is. Uh-huh. And then the next movie, we can deal with the black suit. Yes. And then the third movie, you can introduce Venom. Yes. You can't You, you, can't, you can't do both. You can't do all three things in one movie. That's way too much. As we've proven in Sam Raimi's movie. You miss the emotional payoff of having having and watching Venom yeah. and Flash Thompson come to fruition. Yeah. To have Peter Parker go through an identity crisis with the suit within a matter of 20 minutes was not good. But God, does he have some dance moves. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do we have any other news, or did we cover it? We covered a lot. We started off yeah, on Instagram did. and ended off in the MCU. Hey, all conversations end in the MCU. That, again, is our mascot, if you can hear him in the background, Little Louie. The fifth First Issue Club member. He's chiming in from afar. He has thoughts on Venom, which you'll hear next episode. Mm-hmm. He's cheering. He's going, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to cover X Factor and a little different, Wonder Woman 759. A spiritual first issue. Yes. Was it 759? It is 759. 759, which is, if you know numbers like I know numbers, not number one. Yep. <laughs> More on that later. Let's get this podcast started. started. Okay, so first up in the club, we're going to be covering X-Factor, the new Marvel Hawks and Pox X-Men book coming out from the Hickman Phenom from over... I just saw on my timeline, it was over a year ago, though, the Hawks and Pox came out. That's crazy. So we've been dealing with the aftermath of that for about a year. I guess that makes sense because we're on book like 12... Mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12 of each of those series. Yeah. And they're monthly. Yep. And we're about to start our new uh, event for X-Men, Ten of Swords. Yep. So uh, I'm guaranteed they wanted to start this all sooner, but thanks to the pandemic, they got uh, kind of set back a couple months. But yeah, it's been one year. Do you remember Jonathan Hickman saying he had like three or four years worth of stuff? Yes, I do. And at the time you were like, that's insane. So much stuff. But when I think about what's happened so far, Mm -hmm. it's like, not a ton. (laughs) I mean, given, there's like six, seven titles, right? Uh And so much is happening in each of them. Yep. But I feel like individual writers and artists are steering those ships, right? True. Whereas the main line that is like moving towards a bigger thing, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like the hammer has dropped necessarily in the X-Men line yet, would you say? Correct. Well, because everyone's still kind of getting along. Yeah, it's like we're building to a crescendo uh-huh. of like, when are these political mismatches and issues going to come to a head? Or like, when is something going to happen with Franklin Richards? When is something going to happen um, that tears the team apart? I guess X of Swords is probably, Ten of Swords, sorry, is probably the first. I, I honestly don't even think anything bad's going to, I think Ten of Swords, we're going to see all the X-Men kind of work together, yeah. but by the end of it, you 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 get kind of inklings of just like other factions wanting to spread away from Kokoa. Okay. 
Sure. That's what I see happening. All right. But okay. but who knows? And we'll be covering it when it does come out, folks. So don't you worry. Oh hell yeah! But uh, this new book for X Factor from um, Leah Williams and David Baldion. I hope I said that right. You had a little interesting last name, and my uh, favorite thing to do is to try to say names right. But I typically say them wrong. <laughs> so Mike D, what is X Factor number one about? X Factor number one is a ragtag group of mutant detectives finding their way to each other to help solve those cases where we've got missing mutants and mutant deaths or supposed mutant deaths Mm -hmm. so we can resurrect these people, right? One Mm -hmm. of the best things about Krakoa is that the island is taking, or Cerebro, I guess, is taking imprints Mm -hmm. of everyone's memory and personality, et cetera, so they can essentially be reborn on the island when they die. Yep. But if we don't have proof that they're dead... We can't just go willy-nilly remaking people because someone went on a bender for a week. Right. And they make a point of that because they don't want to make clones. Right, They don't, yeah. don't want to make any dupes. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so this is the X-Men NCIS. Yeah, right. They, uh, they, This is their bones. <laughs> <laughs> They're solving crimes. With teenagers. With teenagers. Or, I don't know how old exactly all of these characters are. But I'll say every star or lead in this comic emotionally immature. Correct. <laughs> this is the a lot l- of bad personalities in this. This is a less deadly Hellions. Yeah, sure. So this age group is what I would say from late teens to mid twenties. Yeah, that's the age range we're dealing with. Real world age range. Fucking bingo. <laughs> If the real world MTV was an X-Men group, yep. we're reading it right now totally. in X-Factor. This they, is the exploring who I am in college X-Men. They just got like this kick-ass Spire headquarters that they joked looks like a Wang. Yep. And uh, a lot of Wang jokes in this book. And inside pool. Yep. And everybody's claiming rooms. There's probably going to be lots of hot sex. There's like several team members who are bisexual. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of potential for. Ooh, almost spilled my drink. Almost spilled. I the got beer. so excited by this. Uh, <laughs> All the sex, the romance and sex that's uh, uh, has the potential to happen in X Factor. But um, a, yeah, a lot of room for relationships to start. We've always joked that the X Men is essentially the Olympic Village of the Marvel world. Yeah, they're very competitive. They're very strong, and. Nine times out of ten, they're probably all fucking one another. Yeah, sure. But this group in particular, yep. the group that Leah Williams has crafted, uh, they are all Netflix and chilling yeah. together probably every night. Heading to the bone zone. Just a huge orgy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I hope we get a peek into that. Yeah. A little peek behind the curtain. I want to see some X-Men Smashers. This, this is the one time I think maybe I'd want to be iBoy. Oh, my He's God. <laughs> so here's the real question. Does he have eyes on his butt? iBoy has eyes, and the name could probably give it away, everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. This but, this book had him pasting googly eyes onto his Crocs, which I really enjoyed. Which was very funny. It was funny. Um, <laughs> I picture Leah Williams giggling to herself while she's writing that direction. While she's writing that note. <laughs> putting eyes on shoes. He's going to fucking hate this. <laughs> but yeah, iBoy... Covered in eyes. Yeah. But they have a purpose. Right. He has the ability to... Okay, so I'm going to say this right now. Okay. Every explanation of powers that these mutants have in this book is very difficult for me to wrap my brain around. There were a lot of characters in this book. A lot. And we did... 
one thing that I appreciate was that we got right into storytelling, right? Instead of a bunch of exposition, um, which is always a bummer in comics, especially first issues. And literal quicksand for X-Men. Yes, totally. This did a good job of getting right to it and then showing you each of the individual characters' contributions along the ride. Mm -hmm. However, there's just such a large cast of characters that it was just a little tough to keep straight, being that these aren't um, mainline heroes that I'm used to and and just have their personalities and names at the ready. Yes. As I'm... big a comic fans as we are, there's a lot of X-Men. I There is. <laughs> well, there's over uh, 13 million they're trying to bring back. Right. Um, I know very little about most of the team members for this yep. uh, particular team. Yep. I know about Polaris, yep. who is Magneto's daughter. Exactly. Uh, Rachel, who is Rachel Summers, who is the daughter of Jean Grey and Cyclops. Yep. Don't know who Boy is, really. He was a part of, like, Wolverine and the X-Men, where they he got that going. There. He may be from there. He might be from that series. Yeah. He might, I, my was he in brain Next Gen? crosses over a lot of those things. Maybe it was Next Gen. I don't know. There's a weird part of X-Men where I'm just kind of like, eh. It's the thing is, is I've read so much of it up to this point that it's all just blurred together in my head. Right. I would think you would think like if you looked through my collection, you would be like, this guy's an encyclopedia on X-Men. But instead, it all turns to mush in my head. Yeah. I have no idea what timeline I'm in. I'll say to all you wonderful creators that as I'm reading it and when I'm in the moment, it's thrilling. And that's why I buy your comic books. Yes. And we'll continue to buy them. Exactly right. <laughs> but in about in 10 retrospect, minutes, I'm yeah, I have no clue what happened. I have forgotten everything, <laughs> every minute detail yeah. you've labored over, mm -hmm. gone. Yep. But I love you anyway. Yeah, you're so good. Uh, Draken, Draken, I had no previous knowledge of. He's like a is he a clone of Wolverine? Is he like a Wolverine thing? Oh God, I don't know. He had a kind of um, pheromone power. Am yes. I thinking of the right guy? Yeah, you are. And he could just, like, make anyone kind of get the vibes for him. Yeah. Or amplify that. Right. Uh, Which he doesn't need that because he has abs for days, and that'll yeah, exactly do right. what you need to do. Ooh la la. Yeah. I think he has little spiky things come out of his knuckles, just like Wolverine. If mm. I'm wrong, get at me on Twitter. Kay. You know where to find me. Please correct me. Uh, North Star, which I believe is an Alpha Flight member. Am I? Is that correct? I don't know, man. He's French, and he's from Can yes, Canada, I so yep. eventually he was in Alpha Flight one time or another. I'm sure he was then. And he has that a, makes sense. And he has a twin sister who he knows nothing about. <laughs> Everyone keeps asking him, do you know the whereabouts of your sister? Would she be at a bar? No, she would never be at a bar. Well, she was at this bar. Yeah. So he is of zero help. He was. He had a really bad attitude during this comic. They did not do a lot to make him endearing. No. Which, which, given I have a twin sister, uh -huh. and if she went missing, I'd be a lunatic too. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know that I would go after people hard like he does. He was very focused. We'll yeah. say that, and had little time for incompetence. Right. So, uh, as a twin, I feel like, and as a brother, I'm, I'm a yep. brother too. I feel like that would just set me on off edge. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just like, God damn it, I'm surrounded by morons. Where yep. the fuck is my sibling? Mm -hmm. So 
I can see where this character is coming from, but he did himself no favors by starting off so hot. Yes. Like, he came in cranked up to 11. Here's what I understand. If you had, like, if you, like, lived with a family member Mm -hmm. who never disappears or goes out or anything, Mm -hmm. and they're gone for, like, 40 hours straight, and you go to the police, and you say... This person's missing, and they say they gotta be gone forty eight hours for you to file the report. Sorry, which is a shit policy. <laughs> That's a, this is how I would feel. I'd be like, "You incompetent fools, yeah. not doing your jobs." Why aren't you defunded yet? Yeah. So, it, and isn't this basically the uh, plot of Gone Girl? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Leah Williams may be borrowing some uh, some uh, parallels here, but I was just like, are we watching an X-Men Gone Girl here? What is happening? This this woman's living this alternate life. Hey, yeah, if you sold it to me as that, I'd say, I'm buying it. Uh, so a little spoiler. I loved this book. Yeah. It was super fun, and once it got its footing, and it, it, you got a clear vision of what this X-Factor team was going to do yep. from here on out, uh, I'm in 100%, because it looks like each issue, I think, is going to cover a case of a missing... X-Men. Right. Uh, can I tell you what I really enjoyed about it? Go for it. Was that we actually spent some time with the five. Yes, the five. If, if you're not keeping up with X-Men, these are the mutants who have the very special powers or skill sets that lets them resurrect people on Krakoa. Right. We got Hope. Yes. We got Egg. <laughs> who was Gold Balls? I think so, yeah. He's like changed his name to Egg. Is that it, right? Eh. We found out the gold balls are eggs. Mm-hmm. In Hawks and Pox. So he may have changed his name to Egg because uh, you can't go running around with the name Gold Balls. Yeah. Proteus, Tempest, Elixir. Right. So those powers combined, much like Captain Planet, uh, Heart, Wind, <laughs> Fire, Earth, Jumiroquai, <laughs> combine all those together. You can resurrect mutants. And much like government work, they are far, far, far behind on their paperwork. Oh, my God. And to me, this is, like, such a key, huge part of this. And I'm constantly like, what are they doing? What are their (laughs) day-to-day lives like? Do they ever get to take a breather? Do they, like, clock in and clock out to bringing people back to life? Imagine if, like, you found out that someone had died and had proof of their death and you got in the queue and you'd be like, man, they're just like out at a bar? Yeah. Hanging out? Right. Like, my dead relative needs to come back. Pronto. You need to fill out form J241. Oh, my That's God. That's J242. It'd be such a crazy job. It's like interesting to see them with like um, personalities or see them goof around at all. Or yeah. are they just like solemn and serious now because of like the gravitas of like the situation? Um, Apparently not. Yeah. I So it was just like, I was like, finally showing me some, uh, uh, just a little bit of their day-to-day I thought was really cool. It's almost like when I see um, like a president or a dictator or any kind of leader just like on vacation. It's yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? You mm. don't take days off. <laughs> You're in charge of launching missiles and, right. I don't know, a whole fucking country like- yeah. You don't have time to play golf. What are you doing? It's like, that's how I see like the five. It's just like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Get out of the tiki bar with Blob. You have to resurrect this mutant. Yeah, you don't have time bo- to go fucking drink a bo- seltzer. We botched this resurrection. 
<laughs> Sorry, I was a little buzzed. Uh-huh. Um, missing you know. an arm. <laughs> we could kill him again and yeah. bring him back. Beak is missing his beak. Sorry, we are a little sauced. It was Egg's birthday. <laughs> Which came first, the beak or the egg? <laughs> I'm one of cutting lo- that. <laughs> one of his lovers goes, it's Egg. Comes first all the time. Uh, Buzzing! Um... What else happened in X Men? Oh, so I loved, or was curious. I don't know. Fucking Eye Boy. Eye Boy. <laughs> His power is like one, he has he? like so many eyes. Like he can just like super focus. Yeah, is that what we're talking about right. here? They gave it some kind of fancy X Men name, yeah. which is fine. Which I think they're our our assumption is that they can see more than just what is like present in front of you right sure well i fucking hope so because if you, if you have an eye on your kneecap uh they better be doing some shit so what north star's sister was killed in a car accident where like the brake line was cut right and sabotage yeah and he found he like deduced all that stuff and made like a recreation of the car model really quickly and found where the line had been cut and all this stuff mm-hmm. using his mutant abilities yeah and, so like um, hyper awareness or ability to like, I guess so. And because don't they have see how things work? Really another quickly? member on the team who's like really good at computers and shit. He's like he like wears the glasses and Dilbert. Yeah, Dilbert. Dilbert I did love his appearance. Dilbert in is in the X Factor, which is crazy because Scott Adams, known racist. Um, you would think that Marvel would try to distance themselves as much as possible from Dilbert, but Dilbert. In X Factor, what do you know? Next yeah. up, Kathy in issue two. Hey man, I'm not taking back my dog Bert tattoo for anything. Art versus artist. Oh god, let's keep them separate. Uh, dog Bert is a saint. Which we can talk about that after the episode oh. because Treneco said some shit. What? No, he called it Chinese COVID. Uh, Treneco, god damn it! Come on, the flashy Stanley. Yeah, no joke. Man, you can see that guy from across a con floor. You can smell him from across the f- con floor. It smells like darn noir. His teeth are like space tiles. They're so huge. Anyway, he's okay. a racist. Uh, what was the the warwolf's name? Amazing Baby. Amazing Baby. What a name. So good. So Leah Williams kind of gave a little uh, back history on that. It's actually a band. Amazing Baby is a band that Teeny Howard knew in high school. Okay. So that's where they got the name from, uh, Amazing Baby. Well, and the Warwolves recently came from a Teeny Howard book. Excalibur. Excalibur. Yes. Where they had like a run in on an island with them. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, I'm assuming that baby was, I can't remember quite right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Betsy gave it to Rachel when Rachel was with Excalibur. Got it. And so uh, that's where Amazing Baby is coming from. <laughs> who is a uh, who is a lesser, maybe maybe not lesser, but equal Jeff the Shark. Yes, totally. I who, love it. And who? and werewolves are like really interesting, like shapeshifter type mm-hmm. cloaking characters. So that could come into play as something really cool and interesting in the future too. Yeah, I I was I was very happy to see Amazing oh Baby. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> I have a copy of that issue of Excalibur that's like a sketch cover that they gave out at C2E2 right? just to people who went to like one specific panel. The only con of 2020. So they made, yeah, that's right. I'm glad I got to go. Uh, so they they made like two, 300 copies of this book. But the thing with covers like that is, is they're so obscure 
that it's like if you try to sell them on eBay, like no one has a fucking clue or cares or yeah, right. You just like have nothing to weigh against. Yeah, like what this is, where it came from, how many of them are there, <laughs> how desirable is it? It's just like such an obscure, crazy thing. Not that I would try to sell it, right? But it's just like a it's a cool, interesting thing to have in your collection. But when you show it to somebody, they're just like. What? Even if you made like a very alluring title of just like con exclusive first appearance of Amazing Baby C two E two only. <laughs> oh, I guess it is an Amazing Baby first appearance. Oh my right? god! Yeah, it ultra is. rare copy. Yeah, people will be like, "Cool, <laughs> <laughs> cool, dude. That's cool for you. I'm not gonna buy that." Well, they gave my wife one, and she doesn't care. So, uh, Leah Williams, if you need an Amazing Baby first appearance, yeah, get at us in a sketch cover. Get yeah. at us. We okay, so little Twitter drama. Comics Gate was after Leah Williams this week because uh, oh no, really? She's a woman who's writing comics. Jesus. So and she handled it like a fucking champion. But um, just a little note out there to all you Comics Gate people: you're losing, and you'll continue to lose. And um, do not be afraid of a woman writing comics because it looks really shitty on you. Yeah, you're on the wrong side. Of oh, history. you know what he said? The guy said. You'd be a lot hotter if you weren't so fat. The fuck? Wasn't even critiquing her writing, just being a fucking shithead and thinking his opinion needs to be heard about a woman's physique, which doesn't need to happen at all. Zero percent. If you're a guy out there who thinks you need to talk about or critique a woman's body, stop. Stop right now, dead in your tracks, whisper it into a paper bag, and then throw that paper bag away. Because that is the... Only time that's going to be relevant. Or any time that anybody wants to hear it. Ugh. What's up? I'm just so mad. Oh, at Twitter? Fucking sucks. Yeah. But it's fine because, you know, Teenie Howard, Leah Williams, so many other brilliant, Kelly Thompson, brilliant women writers are yeah. just crushing it right now. And they don't need, they don't really bother with these scared, afraid mostly white men in their parents' basements just screaming into the void. Yeah, they're, they're cashing checks. Fucking fuck everyone else. Dickheads, yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Go back to jerking off to cartoons and keep it to yourself. Yeah. Go strangle your waifu. <laughs> <laughs> and nut in your bagel and go to bed. Is that all we got to say about X-Factor? It was good. Go it was, buy it. It was very good. At the end of the episode, the Quiet Council officially forms X Factor because of the severe, severe backlog of the five not being able to resurrect mutants quick enough, which I feel like that is a huge oversight yeah. on Professor X and Magneto. It's going to be cool. It's going to be neat to have like uh, one of these X books be like so genre. It is. Uh, like I said, I was joking in the beginning, but it really is like a C C CSI CSI NCIS, like that's what it is. Yeah. And I'm 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 here for it. Yeah. I want them here solving crimes, looking at clues, like it's brilliant. Yeah, it sounds awesome. It's very brilliant. A lot so. of fodder for tons of fun issues. Yeah.
Now we're gonna cover Wonder Woman 759. It's not a number one, but it's kind of a number one. It is, isn't it? Should we start our conversation with that? We should. Yes. Um, were Wonder Woman 759 on a publisher called Marvel Comics, it would certainly have been a number one. Yes. Hands down, no questions asked, put all the money in your savings account on this bet. <laughs> a, a Marvel book going past 45 yeah. is unheard of a these rarity. days. They'll pop back up in that legacy numbering when they're about to hit like 800, 900, 1,000. Which is a cheap fucking move. Here's the annoying thing. the The fact that you would pop back in for like a Spider-Man Legacy 800. Like big deal. That's been an ongoing story for a long time. Sure. But 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 but, but. don't give me like issue 50 of like volume 7 $10 issue. Mhm. With just like anthology shit in it that's like not telling one massive story. It's just like here's a bunch of spatterings of tiny stories. Yeah, clip show. Yeah, when it's actually like Issue 784, and then hit me with another $10 book when it hits, like, actual 800 No, that's just double-dipping. This is such an inside comics obscure conversation that like, only, only, like, hyper nerds would be, like, mad and complain about this stuff. They're just, like, banging their desks right now. But, like, I fucking agree. Thank you, Michael <laughs> yeah, D. Somebody's finally voicing my opinions. God damn it. <laughs> well, I hope it was cathartic for you to hear it out loud. But it, it does get the point across that um, this is essentially the beginning of a new story. Wonder Woman has been helmed by a creative team for quite a while, and they got to tell the story they wanted to tell and move on, and then we've got this great creator in Mariko Tamaki who is helming this new series and taking over it. There's this, like, random numbered issue, but it is a spiritual first issue of her arc and her series. We even got, like, a little bit of background and introduction into who Wonder Woman is. A lot of times uh, new creators do this, paying some homage to the history of the character and what came before them. Mm -hmm. One thing that I really liked about this issue in particular, and we're kind of bypassing <laughs> some of our normal formatting here because we just got into it. Yeah, we're going to snowball right into this one. But um, it didn't spend an entire issue gabbing about how great everything that came before it was. It got it out in the handful of first pages, and then we also got to see the beginning of Mariko Tamaki's vision of Wonder Woman yeah. quickly in this book. Well, it's just like, it's what the comic book did, and it's what we're doing right now. If you're here listening to this show, you know who fucking Wonder Woman is. Yeah. You've seen the movies. Right. You've probably read a Wonder Woman comic. You get the gist yes. of what Wonder Woman is. So this book didn't spend a lot of time trying to reinvent the wheel or reintroduce you to Wonder Woman. They give you the bare bones of who she is, where she came from, what she's all about. But, you know, one really interesting thing that was woven into part of that was this question that kind of evolved throughout the conversation, which was like, what is a hero? 
mm-hmm. who decides what a hero is mm-hmm. where do you draw the line between justice and vigilante justice um so my assumption is is that's going to be a major theme for at least at a minimum the first arc with how heavy we hit that right well and because we're introduced to a new a new old villain Max Lord. Yes. Which is a common villain in the Wonder Woman mythos. Yep. He has the ability to control other people's minds. Right. With with uh speech, I guess. Mm-hmm. He whatever he says, people typically just do. Except for Wonder Woman for whatever reason. But so he's <laughs> he was in prison. Now he's back. Yep. And I think he's the one who's gonna be asking all the questions of what makes you a hero and why have you dubbed yourself a hero? trying to make maybe Wonder Woman reconsider if she's a hero or not. Bad. I don't know how much he can judge Wonder Woman. And I think the ploy here is to maybe not make Wonder Woman doubt, but the public around her sure. doubt. Because that's, that's easier to manipulate than, yeah. you know. you I could try to convince Usain Bolt he's not the fastest man alive, <laughs> but he's going to prove me wrong. Right. I can convince <laughs> other people around Usain Bolt that he's not the fastest man alive easier right. than that. Yeah. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, a little Usain Bolt pull, oh, everyone. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I watch sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, popular sports like track and field. Like track and field. <laughs> you don't have a Usain Bolt poster in your room. Tell me you don't have a Usain oh, man. Bolt. All the fat heads. Yeah. <laughs> if I could buy a Usain Bolt fat head right now. Your wife would love that. Yeah, it's going right into the baby room. Uh. <laughs> That's the theme for the baby room. Just Usain Bolt. Wake up to his glow-in-the-dark eyes every night. Yep. <laughs> his eyes are the only thing that glow in the dark. Not him or his uniform. Just his piercing red eyes. <laughs> and he's holding a canister of Chicken McNuggets. A canister of Chicken McNuggets? Did Is you, that a Usain he, Bolt thing? He eats uh, nuggets before each race. as what? like As like fuel. Really? Yeah, that's like one of the little factoids I learned about him. Oh, odd. Yeah, he'll like carbo load with um, nuggets of chicken. Okay, cool. To kind of gear up. All right. Which so. maybe not right, <laughs> maybe not right before the race, but the yeah. night before. Also, if you're hearing this, kids, chicken nuggets are not the food of champions normally. <laughs> you don't have a bowl of chicken nuggets before work every morning. <laughs> oh yeah, I want to be great at web design today. <laughs> I'm coming for you, internet. <laughs> Just 20 a, piece. a bowl of nuggets drizzled with barbecue sauce. Spoon them into your mouth. God, who told me recently <laughs> they counted their 20-piece? Was it Budget King? He counted out his 20-piece? <laughs> I feel like it was him that told me that, that he counted out a 20-piece and uh, brought it back and was like, hey, uh, there was only actually 19 nuggets in oh this. Oh, my God. <laughs> As he has, like, chicken nugget crumbs around his mouth. Him and the woman who waited outside for the... Egg McMuffin, who's a fake cop. They're a pair (laughs) in in the same line. He's making his own video, just like counting out the nuggets Uh on his phone. One, two, not looking good. McDonald's, three. Mm -hmm. Surely no one will eat all of these. (laughs) (laughs) I would hate to have that job at McDonald's of counting out 20 fucking nuggets. No. I would would just grab a handful and go, good enough, and just throw them in. Oh, totally. As someone who worked at McDonald's, I can assure you that's what happens. Yeah. They stuff the thing and then close it. You guys gave out a bunch of fish fillets, right? As like a prank. Didn't you and TJ work together? Yeah. And a bunch of our I other friends. I did work with TJ. He Or did he get busted for 
taken fish fillets. I don't know. No one bought fish fillets. Someone got popped for eating. Oh, I think it was one of our friends, John. Oh, okay. He was eating fish fillets on the job. So gross. At McDonald's. Uh. And they're just like, yeah, you're fired. Ugh. Which they're going to throw them away because the customer returned it. So, anyway. <laughs> a little McDonald's drama from the early aughts, everyone. Why wouldn't you eat returned food? <laughs> this may seem odd that we're talking about this instead of Wonder Woman, but the Wonder Woman book was pretty straightforward. Yeah, it, it was, was a quick great. intro of who Wonder Woman was, and then Max Lord's going to be your villain for the first arc. Yeah. My biggest takeaway, Mariko Tamaki. Tamaki, I love basically everything she's written. Oh, yeah. I would say even if you read this and were lukewarm on it, trust that she's got an amazing track record lately and is just killing storytelling, period. Her back catalog is, you know, worth it enough to just stick with the story for a yeah. little bit. She's she's hot off winning a couple Eisners. Those books that she won for are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure this book is going to be great. We introduced Wonder Woman to a new character in her apartment building. Yes. Who has a pet rabbit. Mm-hmm. And, and a uh, memory problem. And a memory problem, which could cause some fun hijinks. I got the vibe that this was maybe a Jimmy Olsen type. Ooh. <laughs> to, you know, I've always said Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman needs a uh-huh. Jimmy Olsen. She had Dot. <laughs> yeah, right. She needs a new Dot. Yes, totally. Um, the other takeaway from this Mikhail Janin, who drew this, mm-hmm. fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it's always cool to see a new artist take on something you've been reading or following for a while. The way he drew Diana yeah. is, I think, going to be remembered for a long time. Wonder Woman has gone through many transformations mm-hmm. through many different illustrators. Yeah, She's been very thin, very you know booby, fit, bombastic yep. in the 90s. This is a very strong Diana. Yeah. She is, all of her limbs are very thick and muscular, mm-hmm. and she is just, like, very toned and, like, built yep. like an Amazon. Right. She's built like um, uh, uh, Cara Dune from The Mandalorian. Sure. She is, she's thick with two Cs, maybe <laughs> even a third one in there. I don't know how many Cs are in this thick, but she is, like, ready to fucking rock and roll in this thing. Yeah. I loved the scene at the... Ikea. Oh, my God. The, the fake Ikea that the they go Ikea to. The fake Ikea that they go to um, where a car whips by and almost hits somebody and it's obvious something's amiss. Mm-hmm. And just the way they illustrated Diana being like, I don't think so, throwing her heels off and barefoot, like just trucking it across the parking lot uh-huh it just had that kind of power and strength to it right she looked like a running back she really did <laughs> she reminded me of um uh, some of the frank chow illustrations that he draws sure very like thick thighs and like yes. really strong like forearms mm-hmm. like like this wonder woman will like fucking punch your head off of your shoulders yeah she's ready to throw down and yep. i'm like super ready to see her just like with mm-hmm. a sword and a shield just ready yes. to just fucking chop people in half it's funny that you say that my wife who doesn't read comics doesn't indulge me in my conversations about <laughs> comics uh she did try when we when we first started dating she did try to read a couple things and she was intrigued by god bless her she was intrigued by faith from valiant yes just because she was like oh that seems atypical and so much of what i 
perceive or know about comics uh-huh. is like objectification of women. Correct. And what I was building to was that she saw a Frank Chow cover of Frank Cho. I think Cho is more correct. Okay. Sorry, Frank. Love your work. Love your work. Uh of an X-Men book, I think X-Men Extinction. Yep, with, he did those. Uh-huh. With Jean Grey on the cover. And sh- my wife was like, wow, so cool to see them draw somebody that's like actually seems anatomically correct and shaped like a woman. And I was like. <laughs> or a human. Yeah, right. Just like period, like something recognizable. <laughs> and I was like, well, there's maybe some Frank Joe covers I'm <laughs> glad you did not see. <laughs> Because he's a little out there. At at least you're not drawing, you know. Oh, who is not Adam Hughes, but uh, J. Scott Campbell. Uh, yeah, J. Scott Campbell is kind of notorious for making itty bitty waists and yeah, very big busts. Totally. And weird positioning. Is it? Well, did J. Scott do that one Spider-Man cover where Mary Jane's like sitting on the couch? Yes. In the most ridiculous pose, mm-hmm. and it it was it trended for a while because people tried to do that same exact pose. <laughs> on a couch while holding like a coffee cup and the hashtag is not possible <laughs> like i don't know how you're doing this <laughs> j scott not possible what you just did here <laughs> so i thought that was just super fun yeah I, it's a fu- like there's a i always go back and forth on some of this like conversation because you know you get that like art is subjective and there's something to say about someone's style and how that translate into figure drawing and character drawing yeah etc sure but there's there's also just like a line that well and i'll say too that there's there's also been a movement in comics recently that's been very sex positive that say yeah totally like okay like these characters feel like strong sexy independent women and same with the male characters and they're embracing that and well you know that's that's okay too but there's there's a certain depiction of women that just doesn't sit right with most people Mm -hmm. and j scott campbell just happens to be one of those artists for me where like every once in a while you see something he did and you're just like yeah, that body is contorted in a way, and that pencil thin waist and just like massive hips. Yeah, are just and like just the, the thigh gap that looks like very anorexic. Yeah, uh, I think he's a dying breed of artist that is just like the culture has moved away from the objectification of it all. Yeah, like and to be honest, we called this shot two years ago when like. Books like Unnatural were coming out, yeah, and other sure. sex positive books were coming out. We're just like we saw the cultural shift of just yeah. like people don't want this bullshit anymore. They want this stuff that Unnatural has. They want sex positive. They want real body images. Yeah, like with faith and all that. Like that is what the the fans are clamoring for. Mm-hmm. And and as people in the industry, Marvel, DC, and Image, like if you don't listen to those voices, you're gonna lose that money. Mm-hmm. So if you you have to make that switch with the fan base. Yeah. And we're seeing this now in books like 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 Wonder Woman uh, we're covering right now. Like yep. her body type and her language and even with X Factor, like the different, you know, ethnicities and the sexual orientations in that. It's just mm-hmm. like that's just the publisher listening to the fan base yep. and adapting. Sure. So I'm here for it. I yep. think it's great. I think it's 
well overdue. Yep. To be completely honest, so I'm 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 excited to see where this Wonder Woman book goes. Um, was is it G Willow Wilson who was previously doing this? Yeah, her run of Wonder Woman was great. Sad to see her go. Very excited to see where Tamaki takes this. Um, pick it up. It's not it's not a number one. It's a spiritual number one. We wanted to cover it because we're really big fans of the creative team. Yep. Um, I don't really know if any number ones came out. Besides that, a lot of number one Empire tie-ins came in, <laughs> but we'll save that for the Patreon. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's all I really have on. Wonder all Woman. right. Well, two great books from the big two this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, as always, with more first issues. And more accessibility in comics. Isn't that great? And more ums and uhs that you'll never hear because we're going to edit them out. That's exactly right. We're so polished. We're like a very good news show. Yes. Edit. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.